0: Hey, welcome to bronze and modern gods the podcast about the bronze age of comics the copper age of comics and heck why not the modern age of comics too i am john hughes and as always i'm joined by my best buddy richard brown hi richard hey john how you doing i'm, I'm a little hyper i had some coffee
1: <laughs> <laughs> i am going stir crazy here on on this quarantine
0: yeah, I mean, let's talk a little bit about why we decided to start this podcast. This was kind of the inspiration, right? Right, right.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, we're we're both
0: uh, avid comic fans and
1: are limited in, in our choices of what we can do. We both go to conventions and uh, our LCS and and socialize, and we have no, none of those options right now, and uh, so. We've reached out to each other and kind of uh, started this.
0: Yeah. And l- give us a little bit about your background. So what, what's your focus? What's your collecting focus? And how long have you been doing it?
1: Yeah, I've been doing it since I was a kid. Uh, I started collecting back in 1979 and uh, just just really had uh, – I started buying books in 79. I don't think I actually started collecting, putting be- books in bags and things like that until early 80s. But uh, I collected uh, pretty avidly Marvel, uh, some DC, but mainly Marvel books. And,
0: uh,
1: right before, uh, the nineties hit, I kind of took a hiatus and had other interests and pursued other things and, uh, was cleaning girls. my, yes, girls, girls got married, had kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, I was cleaning my mother's attic and found six long boxes, aged long boxes full of comics and bags and boards and going through those and looking in wow, that's worth how much now? Um, really, really sparked my interest again. And uh, I started uh, about a year and a half ago collecting rather avidly. I have a, a large collection given the amount of time that I've had to, to accumulate things. So,
0: so what's uh, your, I, what do you like? What's your favorite? I,
1: I am a Marvel guy. Uh, I like Fantastic Four, X-Men, um, any Spider-Man, uh, especially Miles Morales, Gwen, uh, Spider-Gwen. Um, mm-hmm. Those are really, really my hot spots in terms of collecting. And um, I've got a X-Men run from 94 through 300, which is my core, I think, for X-Men. And um, yeah, I'm trying to do a Spider-Man run from 50 to to 301. That's my my next focus. So uh, but I also jump around. I I, I do a lot of random um, uh, independence as well, or even D.C. books like I'm a big Teen Titans fan from back in the day. Uh, George Perez is one of my favorite guys. So I'm I'm. But mainly my focus is Marvel, and that's where my experience really lies in.
0: How oh. about you? I, well, I know
1: you're really deep into some of the uh golden age stuff.
0: Well, you know, that's that's I dabble in golden age, but my I started I would say collecting, not only reading, but collecting since I was five years old. I remember the very first comic book I ever had and, and where I got it from. It was Captain America 155, and I found it on the playground at my kindergarten during the oh, wow. and I kept it and I wish I still had it. I don't have that I have that I have it mint, but I don't have that kind of thing. But yeah, and I've always collected ever since I was five years old. I won't tell you how old I am, but uh, I will say it's over 45 years of collecting. <laughs> my focus uh, is mostly bronze age. I love bronze age. I love that's what you know when you grow up that's kind of what you're associated with the most, right? right? Right. Absolutely. And Captain America is my jam. I've got uh, a a full run of the uh, Silver Age Bronze Age uh, run from 100 all the way to the bitter end when it became Heroes Reborn, which is uh, Heroes Reborn. I'm going to be real honest with everybody on this on this podcast. Heroes Reborn happened and I quit collecting. I was so bitter and angry that they ran, that they Marvel would ruin the Mark Wade run uh by having you know Rob Liefeld, who I do have respect for. He's you know first of all, I'm the hugest Kirby fan you're gonna meet. I yes, mean, yes, yes you, you are. are yes, you are. And so I respect what Rob Liefeld does in terms of energy and you know, anatomy. Who cares? It's about action. And, you who know, cares about feet? I get it. I get it. But I did not want to read a Captain America comic book featuring that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really kind of fell out of it for a few years, and then I kind of got back into it when uh, you know I'm going to give them credit. Joe Quesada and Bill Jemus, that whole that whole thing where they just kind of shook Marvel, uh, picked them up by the ankles and shook them and and chains, oh, right. and were doing really weird things. And I and the book that really got me back in hardcore was of all things X Force by Michael Allred. And Again, really? because they threw out everything that happened with Rob Liefeld, <laughs> you know, and reinvented the book, so it's good for the goose, I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that I've been doing it for a long time. I've got uh, a pretty uh, robust uh, collection. Uh, again, Kirby is my focus. Uh, anything Bronze Age Kirby, I, Devil Dinosaur, Machine Man, New Gods, Commandy, Commandy, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I buy a lot of other stuff too.
1: Bronze Age really is, uh, like you say, our sweet spot. And that's how we met. I went to looking yeah. for comics, uh, went to a comic shop that you were working at. Well, a comic calling in a comic shop is being generous. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a card gift card store that had a comic section.
0: 1988, by the way. Yeah, I just want to throw that out there. That's when we met. <laughs> Actually, we met before then because oh no we met at the comic shop that's we right met at the we comic met 87 shop. when i first yeah. started there
1: yeah and, and you turned me on to uh to, on to different comics as well as to some nightclubs to hang out with which where i met my wife and um we've been friends ever since it's been decades
0: weird i you know for anybody that's watching doesn't know us i'm in long beach california
1: yeah, and i'm in strongsville ohio
0: so the friendship crosses the country, even in quarantine times. Yes, definitely, definitely.
1: And I've come out to visit you. I, I came out this year to do uh, Californ- uh, California, California uh, Comic Convention.
0: Yeah, let's give a shout out to Terry uh, for the California Comic Con. If you guys have never been to the California Comic Con, it happens every January. Uh, in um, it used to be in Orange, uh, California. Now it's in Costa Mesa, California. And how would you describe that show, Richard?
1: It is a comic book show for comic book fans. There is, it is without any frills. There are no Funkos, there are no T-shirts, uh, there are nothing but people with long boxes full of comics and walls full of slabs. And it was heaven. It was absolutely heaven. No
0: cosplayers bumping you in the eye with yeah. a sword. Um yeah. you know, <laughs> it is hardcore collecting, which is what we like. That's what that's our jam.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So you know, uh, another inspiration for starting this was this weekend was supposed to be WonderCon. Yeah, yeah. It's poor, poor forty out for my homies at WonderCon. Um, uh, and
1: and the thing about an online convention, I actually thought it was a joke at first. <laughs> April uh, Fool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's and we and we are both we both have tickets uh, to go to Comic Con this year, SDCC, San Diego Comic Con. And it's my first time. It will be my would be my first time, and I was really looking forward to it. Uh, I had already got hotel rooms, and we were all talking about plans. And then uh, the situation we're in now, where they're they're potentially going to be canceling the show.
0: It's well, really- it's April twelfth,
1: mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: we record this, so we'll see what happens.
1: It's still a possibility, but you know, I was talking to another friend of ours who would be going with uh, with us. And uh, if, we, if, if we're going to be if this is going to be the first show, I'd want it to be done right. I know I wouldn't want some half measure kind of uh, kind of event. I want a full experience, including the jostling crowds and, and yeah. the cods players and, and that. all that stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can tell my age when I'm like, this is too crowded.
1: <laughs> I'm looking forward. You know, we do it once. And after that, then I'll be, you know, the curmudgeon along with you.
0: It's actually not that – it used to be worse. I've been going every year since 1991, humble brag. Uh, <laughs> and it's not so bad now because they've gotten really kind of militant about the badges with the uh, the RFID. It, mm-hmm. you know, we have to boop in and boop out. Uh, so you used to be – you kind of sneak in really, honestly, back in the day. And it was as a result, it was way overcrowded. We were there last Saturday and Sunday able to navigate – pretty well, uh, without having to be, you know, uh, suffocated, but let's talk about what we're talking about overall this week, our topic uh, this week, we got a few of them. We're going to talk about the Eternals Marvel's latest movie sensation, but what did fans think about this book back when it came out in the seventies and how does it hold up? And is it worth all the investment hype? Also, we're going to talk about the hot bronze age book of the week artist spotlight on frank miller in the bronze age and our underrated books of the week so i'm gonna let you start this off richard with the hot browns book of the week what is your pick my pick this week is this this
1: is wolverine number one of his limited series there's four books in this series uh frank miller cover hence the our our conversation about frank miller later but this was just an, uh, an iconic book, it's an iconic cover too. this this particular cover has been cover swiped a number of times, including uh, the new series new Wolverine series that came out last month. Uh, this has there are a number of different cover swipes for that. But this is a great story. Uh, it's it's Wolverine's first solo story and introduces certain characters like his wife um, Mariko in, in, into uh, the universe. So it's it's a great book. I think it's been undervalued recently. It's it's had steady sales. It's one of those books that people buy. There we go. People yeah, will, will out know there. <laughs> people will buy and put in the and put in long boxes and then uh, pretty much forget. But in the last say two months, I've seen some spike in the values of this book. Um, uh, CGC uh, 9.8s are about two hundred and eighty dollars right now, and that's trending upwards. So it's a good time to buy these things. Um, 290 bucks isn't bad for a, for a, a book from 1982 uh, that has p- potentially the most iconic Marvel character on the cover Wolverine. Uh, there will never be any more of these. So uh, I recommend if you come across a, a good uh, near merit copy, or you come across a, a good graded copy, now's the time to buy them before uh, Wolverine enters the MCU. Cause once he enters the MCU, Books like this that are you can buy raw for 50 bucks, uh, that won't be the case anymore. You will be spending lots of money for um, this book and the other books in the series. Uh, Wolverine also had a another book, just kind of a, a secondary pick here. This is the first issue of his first series. This is a full series, not just a limited one. First ongoing. Yes, first ongoing series. Uh, it is also very good. And uh, this series went on for. Oh, wait, how many issues did this go oh, on? Should... It
0: ran at least until the uh, the early 2000s, the the right. original uh, run. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: But it's also a good book to pick up. Uh, you, you may even find them together. This is one of these. That's why I bought this particular copy. Uh, that I found... book,
0: you also bought your original copy from me at the comic book shop in 1989 or 88, I think. Did
1: I really? Oh, that yeah. is so cool.
0: That is so cool. I, I that remember book. ordering that book. I had to decide how many... Uh, copies to order and it was like i know this book is just going to blow out and i want to have uh at least some to sell as a back issue so i ordered very heavily on that book yeah
1: you know i looked to see what the print run on this was and i could not find i could find the print run from the the seventh series which is the one that just came out in, uh, in mm-hmm. 2020 it's about 190,000 for it but for this book i do not have i looked in chroma uh, Comicron uh, and could not find any kind of information for a book this old
0: well you know so. I I was there um, that book was a big deal for a few reasons it was uh, it was the first X-Men spinoff X-Men was the hottest book at the time Um, I believe that came out when Paul Smith was drawing the main title and uh, Frank Miller was just coming off Daredevil he had not really been known for anything besides Daredevil at that point So you had the super popular character in the number one book that that Marvel was selling at the time, plus their hottest creator, plus their hottest writer, Chris Claremont. And it was the first mini series Marvel ever did of the limited series that along with Hercules by Bob Layton (laughs) to a big deal, limited series that were coming out. And I remember, you know, going from, Uh, Seven Eleven to Lawson's to Dairy Mart, every place I could to snatch up as many copies of Wolverine Number One from the newsstand. Uh, because we didn't have a really good comic shop in our town at that time, so it was a hot book back then. Yeah, this one's
1: newsstand. I, I, I don't. I said I, I have the one I bought from you still. I'm actually looking for it. It's in another long box someplace. So I, I wish I will pull it out and uh, show it to you the next time
0: all right uh so wolverine number one is your hot bronze book of the week so if you haven't gotten it maybe is a good time to to plunk it down and make that investment uh especially yeah. you know if they bring him into the marvel cinematic universe uh, proper now that all that the deal has been done and you know it's not hugh jackman it's someone else now we'll see um yep now's the time to invest before these title before these characters become
1: mcu characters um, it's, it's an opportunity to, to strike it rich.
0: So talking about striking it rich in the MCU, our main topic today, the Eternals. Uh, okay, Eternals, 1976, picture it. Jack Kirby is back at Marvel after a somewhat rocky run at DC with the new gods getting canceled after two years. And uh, then Omac and Commandee actually being his most successful title over there. And about 1975, Jack and Carmine Infantino are not quite seeing eye to eye anymore. So Jack dips his toe back in with Stan and says, Hey, what do you think about me coming back to Marvel? Absolutely. Come on back. Come home. We miss you. Okay. I got a few things I got to make sure that we're uh, square on first. I'm writing my own titles now. I'm drawing my own titles now. I'm editing my own titles now. Okay, come on back. (laughs) So we get wacky things like the Mad Bomb saga in Captain America. We get (laughs) the Eternals, which at the time I was there buying it off the newsstand. People were like, oh, this is New God's Light. I don't know. This is weird. Yeah. So now it's been announced that years and years later, this book that is crinkly—the <laughs> my light I have around it, super crinkly—is uh, now going to be the next tentpole release for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I would have never thought this in a million years. Richard. I
1: never. I would have never pictured it either. I would have. I would have put my money on some other. There's so many other characters that you could. Nova, for example, which are rumors of Nova coming to the MCU. I think that would have been a better tentpole character than.
0: than but MCU. look back at what the, the history of the cinematic universe. Iron Man was the tentpole release. Iron Man always B string, yeah. B level character. Black Panther, God bless him, C level. Yeah. So. Yeah. You got me there. I, I
1: I would have never pictured Iron Man, Tony Stark, as being the kind of character, iconic character he was in the MCU. So I will give uh, faggy the benefit of the doubt. He's done excellent work so far in terms of the MCU and adapting characters. Um, I will give him the benefit of the doubt for uh, the Eternals. But as a story, I think there were so many other opportunities to to pull out of the existing... Uh, marvel universe and bring to the mcu that that would have made better tent poles than the eternals
0: so let's talk about the eternals and the marvel universe at the time if you go and read the original books or the omnibus they reprint the letters pages i believe in that you can see a raging debate at the time in the letters pages about whether the eternals were actually taking place in the marvel universe because Jack being Jack, like, hey, you know what? I don't want anything to do with what's happening over there. I got my own thing. This is it. You take it or leave it. I'm putting it on the plate. If you want to have it, great. If not, I don't care. And he was God, getting. God,
1: fresh- God bless John, by the way. I mean, you know, uh, Jack Kirby, because he is he was so big, he could do things like that.
0: He could call the shots back then. Uh, You know, there was uh, rumors of editorial tension back in New York because Jack was living in California, sending his pages complete, done, inked by Mike Royer, lettered, everything. Here it is. got to print this. So some editors were not happy with that. They thought this completely derailed the Marvel universe in terms of the Asgardian gods and the Olympian gods. And now you've got these eternal gods living on Mount Olympus. Wait, Mm -hmm. hold on. This doesn't, this doesn't jibe. You got to integrate this some Jack. And he felt the pressure because around issue eight, I believe seven or eight shield agents start appearing. Mm -hmm. Not Nick Fury. It's not Dum Dum Dugan. It's none of those guys. It's just random faceless shield agents but they are called shield in the book and then it all kind of you know they're they tease it a bit here and there they don't really come out and say whether it's marvel universe proper until we get this oh yeah there is the hulk or so it seems it is a robot hulk yeah yeah not the hulk (laughs) it's a robot that was built by wait for it college students who built a fully functional robotic Hulk that then gets infused with the excess cosmic energy from the Unimind. Now, wrap your head around that for a minute and try to parse that. I'll give you a few. But it's actually a fun read. Uh, you kind of got to sit back and just take it for what it is. Uh, and not- You do. Yeah. You, read
1: it, you read it as a story of its own, not as a part of a bigger whole. Uh, Four
0: issues later, it's all over. Now, I've always wondered if it got canceled because of low sales or uh, what, because it actually had an annual, which back in those yeah. days, Marbles did not do an annual unless you were a big seller. They didn't waste the time on it. Uh, or maybe Jack had a page quota he had to meet. That's entirely possible, too, contractually. But it just kind of sputters to a halt with uh, issue 19, which is right. very strange. So 19 uh, issues
1: plus a annual.
0: What's the annual? Um, so, you know, again, like I said, I was there. I was a kid. But, you know, I read those letters pages. It was a big debate. What is this book? I go, I have a full run of uh, comics journal that I'm reading uh, now on the iPad, thanks to technology. And it's really even more fun to see what was happening in the fan press at the time. People were up in arms over this book. It was like it was a debate like Jack the Hack. Uh, not, I mean that's where he's branded at It, it was yeah. sad really that he got Treated that way so it's kind of amazing to See uh, them leaning into this book for the marvel cinematic universe
1: right right so what do you, what do you think about uh, in terms of collectability or even just just uh, speculation for the for the series
0: it was uh it was really on fire about a year ago and it's cooled off quite a bit uh, i've got the gpa up here now uh, gpa data on this book in 2018 9.8s were going for 837 bucks kind of caught fire last year. It was going up uh, 1100 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 12 month average was $1,144. And now the 90 day average has cooled off a bit, $902. And the last sale this month was for a 9.8. Eternals number one was 800 bucks. I mean, that's, yeah. that's like a 200 plus uh, dollar drop, a yeah. uh, $300 plus drop in, in a year. So, you know, with everything going on right now, um, the movie probably will be delayed. If you want to strike now, might not be a bad time to strike now.
1: Yeah, I, I think if you're a speculator, it's it's a good time. The prices are are down, uh, and it it may be temporary. We'll see that first trailer. Once that first trailer comes out, we'll see a spike.
0: That's the thing. You grab one now for 800 bucks. Wait for that trailer to drop, and then put it up right. for 1,300 bucks. You might make out. It
1: just might, um, but uh, you know, whenever you wait for the trailer, you're also running the risk that you're going to have uh, something that doesn't look so good, and it's it would end up not being the kind of bump that you really want to have. Uh, but I think it's a pretty good bet. I mean, I, like I say, I, I trust Faggy, um, and if he wants to make this a tentpole movie, uh, the first real movie in 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 um, in Phase Four. Um, I think he's he has a good handle on things. So I have a couple. I I have a full run of the Eternals raw, as well as a, as a few graded. And I I, I came across a, a great source that um, I turned you on to him too. Thank you. Where <laughs> uh, my
0: things came from?
1: Yeah, uh, he had a number of of really mint uh, books, uh, Eternals books. So I I picked those up, and I've been uh, turning them over here and there. But I
0: I kept a full set of my own. I don't know the answer to this, but this is my speculation, different type of speculation. Heavily uh, speculated book back in the day. Mm -hmm. Jack Kirby's back at Marvel. It was his second, I believe, ongoing title after taking over Captain America again in 1975. They were teasing it for months in the bullpen bulletins, which I love. Mm -hmm. Uh, It comes out. People kind of hoard it. uh, And then it doesn't do anything. And it becomes quarter box fodder for Mm -hmm. Decades. Those Eternals runs bounced around quarter boxes and 50 cent boxes for years, getting banged up, bent. Nobody gave a crap. So I don't know what the census is on Eternals now in terms of percentage wise.
1: Yeah, I didn't look at it, but I I think it's a hockey stick. You know, you get the nine point eights as being the the real rare exceptions, kind of like uh, Amazing Spider-Man 300, where. You get a, a large census, but only a very small number as as, as nine point eights
0: and a very unforgiving black cover.
1: Yes, very much so. and uh, so so the nine point eights are are, you can say justified at the higher price, but it's a it's a huge drop off for nine point sixes and anything lower than that. I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> and issues one through five are really uh, have value. Uh, I think issue eight too, I believe. Um, yeah. I think
0: uh, eight has the first appearance of one of these Celestials that will be a key figure supposedly in the movie. And number three, the first appearance of Cersei.
1: Right. But the rest of the issues, um, they are collectible. And if you want someone someone who wants the entire run, uh, they're definitely worth picking up. And they, they'll they be reasonable in price. I don't think uh, number one, three, one, two, and three mm-hmm. really are the ones that are hot books. Um, but uh, and so if you're looking for it in a full run, if you can get past the price for those first three, you can pick up the rest of them at a reasonable Yeah,
0: price. three might actually have some legs because uh, Cersei is a pretty popular character. She was in the Avengers for a long time during that Bob Harris run. And, you know, she's fun. She's a fun character. Angelina Jelly. Is that, is that who's playing Cersei? That,
1: that's the rumor, yeah.
0: Holy... Yeah. Really Cersei.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We'll have to wait. <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers every now and then. I, I, I just say, come on, come on, Kevin Faggy, please. Make this so,
0: <laughs> as The Eternals is ending its run in 1978-ish, there is another artist that's kind of uh, on the fringes, working in the fan press and getting close to his first professional sale for Gold Key Comics' Twilight Zone, Frank Miller. Yes, Frank Miller's first published uh, work was in Twilight Zone number 84 for Gold, Gold Key Comics. And then after that, he went to do uh, some work for uh, DC with uh, a, a spot, a two-pager in World Weird War Tales number 68. And then he went to Marvel to work on Daredevil. Yeah. That's our spotlight this week. Good old Frank Miller,
1: Frank Miller, Frank Miller and Daredevil. You couldn't separate the two. Uh, the whole uh, the whole saga that he did with. Um, oh, my goodness. Why am I not bringing, remembering her Electra? name? Electra. Thank you. The Electra saga. Yes. Um, is just oh, it's I, I, it's beyond iconic. It It really drew me back when I was reading those those books new it it made made me wait every single month for the next issue because it was so on the edge of your seat
0: yeah i remember um you know daredevil was always the book like okay uh i used all my allowance money on the good stuff and now i want another comic book but there's nothing good oh, i'll pick up daredevil i hate gene colin <laughs> <laughs> and then you know and then you know 1979 comes around and i missed it uh you know his first issue 158 i didn't see it on the stands but i saw 159 with that cover with uh bullseye and the black widow and i'm like who's doing this uh gil kane ripoff kind of art i (laughs) like it uh check this out and me and my best friend at the time eric uh, were obsessed with Daredevil, and it was a it was bi monthly, low print run. It was a hard book to find on the newsstands. Again, he was always a perennial. Also ran B lister, yeah. C lister, yeah. and those books were hard to find back in the day. But boy, that changed real fast. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Frank Miller really put energy into that title and brought a real story to that title um, that has persisted. I mean, we've seen Electra several times uh, over the years uh frank miller's uh, uh daredevil has been been made into a tv series mm-hmm. um it's you know with his with his energy and his his uh influence it's he's he's iconic for for daredevil uh daredevil 168 is uh is a is a big key if you're looking for a bronze key uh that is an important issue um and what I cannot remember the
0: issue number for
1: the death of Electra.
0: Um oh one one uh, pardon 181 double 181, side.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's, so if you're looking for collecting uh, keys for for uh, Daredevil, those are two really big keys 168 is, is going for good money, as is 181. Um, but I recommend man, that you pick up a uh, omnibus or if you can find the full run of, of uh, Frank Miller. Uh, his work for daredevil pick it up it's worth reading it really is
0: yeah you kind of gotta get past issue 182 where he uh digs up her grave and checks out her paws her dead body to make sure that yeah she's really dead yeah uh, until yeah 90
1: yeah and she comes back Spoiler. but you know you can't kill you can't kill anybody in marvel everybody you know it's it's all death is temporary in comic books
0: I think Uncle Ben has stayed dead. That's the one. Yes. I I
1: read that someplace that unless you're Uncle Ben. (laughs) It
0: used to be Uncle Ben and Bucky Barnes. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. you ruined that one for us, but (laughs) it was a good story.
1: So Daredevil uh, or or Frank Miller, people may also know him for other books like um, the Dark Knight series. That was another really powerful story um, that influenced the Batman character character. You know, from that point forward, Uh, Sin City, uh, another another property that he did uh, that was made into a movie. Um, He writes dark, gritty, um, powerful stories. And that's that's his specialty, getting into the emotions of a character and uh, drilling down past the niceties and pulling out that kind of energy. Uh, That's 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 really where his his books go.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, he kind of went into a very almost stereotypical Frank Miller story kind of uh, thing, but then he'll do things to kind of shake up his uh, reputation like uh, 300 oh, um, yeah. yeah. or Ronan. Ronan was a big deal that, was, you know, Frank Miller's leaving Jim Shooter and Marvel and he's going over to DC and he's got complete artistic freedom and it's going to be this six issue mini series on Baxter paper. That was a big deal back then. Baxter <laughs> It's white, it's glossy, uh, and you know, it was a huge flop. Yeah. Uh, you know, heavily ordered. People got it. He had changed his art style to be this kind of cross hatching, sketchy thing, and people were like, "This isn't the streamlined Claus Jansen inked Frank Miller I like." But if you go back and read Ronin as a trade, or you know, all six issues in one setting, it's really, really good. It was is very underrated book.
1: I haven't read it since it came out. Uh, I know for a fact, though, it is basically dollar bin material.
0: It's a slog. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to, and it was also, you know, again, I was there. Uh, the month-long delays between issues, like big delays between issues, almost like not not legendary Camelot 3000 delays. But there were delays.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Okay. That's Remember how yeah.
0: 2012 took like 12 years to come yes, out?
1: Yes, yes. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're so, well- If you are
1: a clock, you know, just recently.
0: Oh yeah, exactly. Good, good parallel. If you are uh, looking to invest in some underrated Frank Miller stuff, there are some things you can grab that are pretty cheap on the fly. I recommend, uh, they're tough to find. If like me, i am not really going for things that are big investment. I like, I like the thrill of the hunt. Where can I find this in a high grade? You know, I, I like, searching i don't like it having handed to me easily so if you like that kind of challenge (laughs) twilight zone number 84 good luck um it's his first professional work it's gold key comic whitman comic um tough to find in hard grade who's who's saving twilight zone comics from the late 70s not i um no one was plus it was they were being sold in three packs at that time at toys r us and places like that so they're very tough to find in decent shape Weird War Tales, number 68, a book I happen to have in high grade just because, again, I like collecting very strange things. I thought, you know what? I want a run of Weird War Tales. (laughs) I don't know. Don't ask me why. Logic. So I happen to have that. And uh, if you like his work on The Dark Knight, there's a comic book called DC Special Series number 21, Christmas with the Superheroes. That is his first art ever. On Batman, where he drew a Batman story for that. So these are some underrated uh, gems you might want to grab onto if you are so uh, inclined.
1: Yeah, you never know when books that seem to be dollar bin books or uh, just limited appeal may mm-hmm. turn on their tail and become uh, the next hot property because of Kevin Feige and the MCU or because DC all of a sudden is pulling it into some property of theirs. You, you, you never know. I, I mean,
0: <laughs> I mean, let's go back to uh, New Mutants 98. I was yeah. like, I like this life old guy's energy. I'm not sure about his feet, but <laughs> uh, you know, and then all of a sudden I go in my boxes and I got, oh, there's a thousand dollar book. Thank you, Robbie. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Who'd have known?
0: Who'd know? Who did did know? I remember, I mean, uh, well, we're uh, talking books, so it's time for our our picks for the underrated book of the week. I want you to go first. Okay.
1: One of the books that's heating up right now is Edge of Spider Verse Number Two. It's the first appearance of Gwen, uh, Spider Gwen. Uh, It is came out originally in two thousand fourteen, and there are four different prints of the book. The first print is Mm -hmm. the most popular and the most collectible. There's a variant cover by um, by Land that is a two thousand dollar book if you come across it. Wow! Uh, Yeah, Uh, the reg the the uh, the regular copy, uh, is heating up tremendously. It's almost, a, it's, a, it's almost a $500 book depending on which, where you buy it. Um, but that's first, first print. Uh, there's a second print and there's a third print and a fourth print. Um, yeah, it was a very popular book and I, and my pick is going to be the third or fourth print.
0: Mm, we've seen it before. We've seen it happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're really, really low print runs because by the time you got to the fourth print, there was limited demand for the title. Um, and people just did not give it the respect that the first print got. So, uh, I know for a fact, you can go out to eBay right now and buy a copy for 20 bucks. I just did it today. As a matter of fact, Of the fourth <laughs> print, um, you can buy the third print in bulk almost. Um, and I know I've seen this with, um, Ultimate Fallout number four, the first appearance of Miles Morales or second prints to those books that for a long time were dollar bin books. And you're seeing those heat up one hundred dollars for one hundred and fifty dollars for a, a nine point eight now. Um, but for a long time, second prints just were not given the respect. So but wow. uh, the fourth print for that book for um, uh, Edge of Spider-Verse number two is my pick. And I still think it's a great time to pick it up because it's it's only going to go up in value.
0: Is there a newsstand version or was the newsstand kind of over by that point?
1: I don't know if there's a newsstand. I've only seen one one particular print of it, uh, mm-hmm. and that's the direct. So that's okay. something I can look into. But at this point, uh, I think it was such a small print run by the fourth, they didn't bother doing, doing a newsstand.
0: All right. Well, that's a good one to grab. Uh, Still affordable. And we've seen these third and fourth print books from the 80s and 90s explode in value. I mean, 377, for example. Uh, And the first appearance of uh, Tim Drake is Robin, I believe, had a newsstand second print, which is impossible to find. Right. That's a great one. Mine is really uh, bizarre. So really (laughs) stay with me here. I'm going to recommend Star Brand number one. Okay. Now I see okay. everybody turning off their computers and walking yeah. away. Okay. I, I I get to see you pull this one through. All right. So here's my reason for picking star brand number one as the underrated bronze/slash copper book of the week. You've got a great story. I mean, say what you want about the new universe. Star Brand was a great story from beginning to end with a couple wonky fill-ins there uh, you've got Jim shooter and John Ramita jr for the first seven issues writing the story about this basic uh basic bro in Pittsburgh getting the power to control uh you know all this universal type of cosmic power and how does he handle it he uh, focuses on getting laid and uh, fixing his bike. Uh, Which, yeah, sounds like a a really boring (laughs) book, but it's actually really good. It's really well done. Um, He doesn't try to do anything except for, you know, he sees a terrorist attack on this uh, ship and he tries to help and ends up making things worse. So he gets really angry. This is uh, tells you what year this took place. He goes to Libya and tries to destroy the country. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's it's like mm, he doesn't quite think things through. Uh, then Shooter gets fired from Marvel. Uh, the new, new universe kind of was his baby. So after he leaves, no one gives a crap and they don't quite kill it. They decide to uh, give the book to John Byrne, who at that point was the sworn enemy of Jim Shooter. He sees Starbrand as a Jim Shooter stand in. So he first destroys the entire city of Pittsburgh, making it <laughs> Starbrand's fault. I won't spoil how he does it, but let's just say it involves a dumbbell, which is kind of ironic since he was written as a dumbbell. (laughs) Um, And then the whole new universe becomes this really dark science fiction place where uh, all these things that uh, were caused by Pittsburgh becoming the pit, this seething mass of destruction and it starts affecting people in weird ways it becomes this really dark dark book for the last eight issues uh i loved it, it it's it's a it's a very strange book but the reason why i picked star brand number one as an underrated pick not only because of the story uh, he the star brand is now in the marvel universe oh yeah um, he is he's part of the avengers saga uh they brought it over um And there may be a chance that the star brand is going to be part of the Guardians of the Galaxy cinematic universe at some point. There's speculation there. So New Universe, 1986, 87, I think it was, uh, where they uh, decided to do this heavily, heavily ordered, heavily speculated book. There are tons of copies out there. Now, notice I said tons of copies. I did not say tons of high-grade copies because you got another example like Eternals number 1. Hey, this book is going to be huge. It's a new universe. Marvel's creating a new universe. It doesn't work out. It's canceled within three, four years. And then again, quarter box fodder for decades. Yeah. I'm going to find a nice 9.8 copy of Starbrand. I dare you. <laughs> I challenge you, dear viewer, Dear listener, look at this cover. What do you see about this cover? Black, yeah, black everywhere. Yeah, it's tough to find a nine point eight version uh, of Starbrand. Uh, so if something does happen, you're going to be glad you, you you got one. You can get them on the cheap now, but uh, you got to hunt for a decent one and just kind of put it away for a while.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know why people make those all black covers. They're just. Uh, <laughs> Art. They're just terrible. Yeah. They're not
0: worried about you investing. They're creating uh, art, like
1: that, um, like that uh, amazing Spider-Man copy that uh, for 11 That was
0: all, all black. That was all it was with black. Thirty-six. Yeah, oh, loves your yeah. fingerprints. <laughs> <laughs> Fingerprint. Yeah,
1: I get spine ticks just by looking at it. You know.
0: <laughs> well, uh, that's the first episode of Bronze and Modern Gods. What do you think, Richard? Did we I do it. it was fun, Yeah, it was great. All right. We will be back soon. Any last words? Uh,
1: no, everyone have a good and safe uh, holiday. Today is actually uh, Easter. So uh, that's it.
0: All right. And with that, we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody.